all they did was flip flop an email, you know, hero image on the top, uh, copy and message below. And then the other version was copy and message on top, hero image below. It was like close to a 300% difference in effect, in effectiveness. Like the, the visual first made the read and action rate go up. Why? We're visual creatures, right? If we get, if we get meaningful things in front of our eyes, we're going to process those first because that's how we're wired. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today, we're going to talk about a very interesting topic. We're going to talk about dynamic content within your email. So would you like to have the ability to change an offer that's in your customer's email even after they've opened it on a daily basis, a monthly basis, or just at some point in time? My guest today is uh, Matthew Dunn. He is the founder of a company called Campaign Genius and the chief explainer at Say It Visually. Dr. Dunn is a serial entrepreneur and an executive with a wide range of experience. He's been a startup CEO, a Fortune 1000 senior vice president and CIO. He's a Microsoft veteran, a consultant and standards organization executive, as well as a director and a university professor. He is a frequent keynote speaker, and Matthew is also an award-winning writer, director, designer, and inventor holding over a dozen patents in diverse fields. As a keynote speaker and a panelist moderator, Matthew is known for making complex subjects clear and simple, and I'm sure you'll agree after you listen to this episode, he's done a good job here as well. He has had repeated engagements as a keynote summarizer, improvising the wrap-up for full-day conferences. Matthew holds the first PhD in digital media, which he designed and completed at the University of Washington before the web was invented. He also holds a Master of Fine Arts from the University of Texas. He brings a unique mix of technical, business, scholarships, arts experience to the understanding of the cultural, business, and technology landscape. So I'd like to welcome Matthew Dunn to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast. Well, welcome to the Real Marketing Real fast podcast today matthew well good morning doug what's early for both of us thanks for having me <laughs> great to connect it's funny uh how we talk about uh, people on social media and they're not social and and we connected through social because i was using your tool and i shared it with my email list and somebody reached out to right you. right yeah they, they reached out and they credited you they said you know doug told me about this i'm like oh well, I should reach out and go knock, knock on LinkedIn and and, and see if you'll connect. And the, the fact that we're geographically close made it kind of extra fun. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's interesting. Like you said, we're so close geographically. But, you know, I find lots of times people say, hey, social media is not working. Say, well, you know, what sort of response or follow up do you have? And you obviously took the initiative. And uh, this is proof proof of that that actually works. But you actually said yes, which doesn't always happen. Right. You said yes to the connection request. Well, I mean, why would I be on social if I don't want to connect with people? <laughs> Fair, but how do you? But how do you keep the? How do you keep them being preyed on in terms of your, you know, connection and network? Not every request is 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 neutral. 
No, that's right. I mean, the I, I, I take the low-hanging fruit, the ones that are obvious if I'm looking at it, but I have one of my uh, EAs that I've trained on how to screen people and decide who gets in the network and who doesn't. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So we didn't come today, together today to talk about social. We wanted to talk about your amazing tool that I'm using and your background in email. So do you want to share just a little bit of your background, how you got into the business that you're in and how you're helping email marketers today? <laughs> well, the, the the background might take a, a, a might take longer than we've got, but I've got a I've got a dual background in communications and technology. Um, actually, arts communications and technology, and I've got a very 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 long standing interest, specifically in visual communication. And I started a company over ten years ago called Say It Visually because I was and still am convinced that we're in the middle of a big shift from mostly text and print to mostly media and visuals. You know, the more information you're trying to take in, the more you're likely to do that visually because it's astronomically faster and more efficient in terms of getting to your brain. The specific thing we're talking about today, Campaign Genius, is our latest project. And and what Campaign Genius is in a nutshell is let's make the visuals in email do everything they possibly can. Turns out, as old as email is, 20, 30 years, depending on how you look at the clock, emails had the capability to be a dynamic and changeable in a way that's almost never used. I, I, I can update an email that's in your inbox. I can say the sale was 25% yesterday and it's 20% today by rewriting the images that your email client fetches and that's what Campaign Genius does. It plugs in at that image block level and says, Mr. Marketer, what do you want your customer to see in the emails that you sent, whether that's today or last week? Well, and it does it in an easy way. I mean, obviously, for the techie people listening, they're going, hey, I know how to do that on the back end where I'm st- where I'm saving my images, but it's a pain in the butt to to do that and get it right. And your system seemed to make it so simple. Yeah, we're, we, we aim to make it simple and and really to make it data driven, which is, you know, it, a, the, the old AB image swap, you know, will change the JPEG on the web server would only get you so far in terms of scale. So we sort of melded uh, data, data-driven image writing with that whole store and fetch thing. So if you know, easy example, if I if and I put if I put, hey Doug, hey Matthew on the on the hero image that goes out to the two of us, that's one thing. But if I'm going to change the you know twenty five percent, twenty percent sale price that I mentioned earlier, at some point you really want to automate that. So I describe it as image automation, not not just uh, you know change what's stored, change what's being fetched. So why don't we start with you know an example of somebody that you've helped with their email using this tool to you know to increase their sales, increase their open rates, or you know we talked a little bit before we got on air about open rates, and I thought the statistics you shared around the long tail data in email from e-commerce or sales perspective was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for remembering that. So I'm going to blame it on cloud computing in part, and maybe Gmail specifically. (laughs) If you're old enough, as some of us are, to remember when you worried about the size of your Outlook OSTs and PSTs, and you didn't save right, (laughs) and you didn't save every message on the planet because at some point your hard disk was going to fall over, that's that's kind of gone out the window. Yeah. What's the free What's the free tier of Gmail now? Fifteen, I think it's fifteen gigs 
of cloud storage, and that's just the free tier, everybody's a pack rat. Yeah. Everybody saves stuff for a lot longer than they used to. As I was, I think I was mentioning to you earlier, the, um, the direct, the direct marketing association, the DMA does a survey every year about email behavior. And in a couple of years ago, they noticed a shift where the top behavior for email of interest is save for later. Oh, that's really interesting. I should maybe consider, you know, buying that fishing rod save. Why? Because I'll go look at it later and make that decision later. I'm probably trying to plow through the infinite inbox and I'm not going to get to that decision right now. So where Campaign Genius plugs into that behavior for marketers is in allowing them to keep the offer fresh. You know, if that if that fishing rod's uh, no longer available, then putting it in front of my face in an email message that I saved is 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 a bit of a rotten trick, right? Oh, what do you mean I can't buy it? You just wrote this really compelling email last week that talked me into it. Why why not why not change <laughs> why not change to the one that you do have? So when I get to the message, you know, I can I can still transact with you. I can still work on what's possible with you. So to the to the question you asked about, you know, who have we helped? We did a, we did a large campaign. I, I won't, I won't name the, uh, I won't name the customer because I don't get to, but they were sending out a massive half yearly sale campaign. I think closing in on 3 million people on the list and they were AB split testing campaign genius, personalized images versus not. <laughs> Fortunately or unfortunately, the A group was like, 2.7 million in the and the B group with without any campaign genius content was was about a tenth of that but enough to be statistically significant what we did for them was personalize every image so we, we had we had we had to be set up to manufacture a potential 3 million personalized images on the fly as people opened their email little bit of sweat watching the servers turns out it was fine the net difference was that the click-through rate on the campaign, the A part of the campaign with personalized image content was almost 300% higher, 277% to be specific. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty big, pretty, pretty big jump. So how does that affect, because you, you brought up Gmail, so that's a good, uh, it's a, it's a good topic because there's lots of issues with Gmail. Mm -hmm. How does that affect the ratio, the image to text ratio that they quite often will um, put into the spam filter? Yeah, someone, someone who does just image content is probably begging not to be looked at. So at least in terms of current practices, there's a balancing act between the, the written copy that's, that's got to be there in order to get, uh, you know, in order to get in the inbox and the image content that you, that you can continue to ma manipulate. You can't change the body copy in an email after it's sent or read. You can change the image content after it's sent or read. Like that's 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 the that's the net succinct difference. Yeah. But from a human behavior perspective, critical thing, you're going to look at the visuals first. You're going to process the visuals first and faster. I can't remember the study off the top of my head, but I've got it. I'm sure I've got it sitting in a blog post or file somewhere. Some company did a really nicely crafted A-B study where all they did was flip-flop an email, you know, hero image on the top, uh, copy and message below. And then the other version was copy and message on top, hero image below. It was like close to a 300% 
difference in effect in effectiveness like the the visual first made the read and action rate go up why we're visual creatures right if we get if we get meaningful things in front of our eyes we're going to process those first because that's how we're wired Right. That's interesting. I mean, I never tested that. So that's one of the areas that one of the things I haven't tested is image at the top. What I try to convince my clients to do is not put their uh, their banner for their company at the top. Um, we put it at the bottom. They already know who you are. You don't need to rebrand yourself in front of your customer. Give them something of value at top. So like you said, if that's something of value may be um, visually pleasing or enticing opposed to a huge block of text or 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 something i'm i'm delighted to hear that you said that by the way for you know for a bunch of reasons don't don't put the about you at the top it ain't about you i i was at a i was at an email conference earlier this year and there was a speaker a really well respected email designer talking about the the continued rise of of visual content in email right in his niche but what was funny as heck was that he unconsciously kept talking about the visuals and the content that's funny <laughs> it said the visuals are the content, right? Yeah. In fact, from a psychological perspective, they're the primary content. They're actually what you're going to handle first before you get to reading. We put together a, an actual study. Unfortunately, it's not published yet, or I'd, I'd give you a URL to it. But have you run into the? Have you run into that very, very commonly used stat that visuals are processed sixty thousand times faster than language? I don't remember the numbers, but I do remember that the stat that visuals, yeah, are, are, are processed quicker. Yeah, right. Yeah, you, you, you'll you'll see you'll see sixty thousand a lot. You'll see ten thousand a lot, depending on on how uh, god awful the PowerPoint or the infographic is. It's it's complete baloney. It's unattributed. It's actually based on a one-liner in a 3M presentation from the mid-90s. And it's turned, seriously, it's turned into an internet meme <laughs> that every marketer who wants to talk about visuals uses. That's funny. And it irked me as, yeah. a, as an academic. It yeah. irked me to, to see an unattributed you know, stat on that important a topic. So, uh, you know, I strapped on, I, I strapped on the typewriter and went, went back to grad school mode and dug into the research on how we process language, written language, and how we process visuals and and basically come up, came up with a more defensible ratio. It's somewhere between 6x and 600x, depending on what bracket you put on meaningful chunk of language and meaningful chunk of visuals. Dramatically faster, no doubt about it. Not 60,000, but dramatically faster. Well, I mean, that's the funny thing with marketers often is we, we need to have these really big numbers. And that's the conversation we have with clients when we're looking maybe at their whole sales process and sales funnel. So you don't need to get 500% improvement on anything. You just need to dial the metrics up a little bit. If you had a you know a 2% better opening rate and a 1% better click-through rate and a half percent better conversion rate, like you're talking to someone who's got three, your your client example, 3 million emails, that'd make a huge difference to their bottom line. Right. It doesn't need to be 6,000 or 60,000 percent right what's the what's the saw if you if you if you're working on a system and you improve it one percent every day you're something like 37 x <laughs> ahead at the end of a year yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Does, i just want to be a little bit better today than it was yesterday <laughs> right right yeah yeah Incre incremental improvement and you know the the one of the affordances of email as a marketing channel is that measurability and iterability you know your customers on your list, your prospects on your list actually said, yes, I want to hear from you. And I probably want to hear from you again, or I wouldn't have signed up for a list, right? Yep. So within the limits of their tolerance for 
too much, you've got that opportunity to to improve. You've got that opportunity to to cycle and make better, measure, cycle, and make better. So can you walk our listeners through, uh, because this isn't a visual presentation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk on audio about visuals. I love yeah. it. Well, I mean, I interviewed one of the guys. We did a video. He said, hey, we should do a video podcast. And I had interviewed him. This is the second time I'd interviewed him, but we did it on video because he said that some podcasters are you know not meant for video. Um, I said, well, I hope I, hope I pass the yeah, I passed the test. Is Solana got a great face for audio. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in terms of, you know, a practical way for someone who has an email list that wants to that wants to test adding the visuals, like you said, being able to go into your subscribers inbox and change mm-hmm. the visuals in their email, mm-hmm. you know, what what would this look like and what would be a good place to start? Well, okay. So and I'll I'll talk from the perspective of the, the you know the tool set that we make available. There there are there are a couple other companies that do similar things. They frankly tend to play with large enterprise customers with large budgets. Um, and you know our, our target was a little more. Hey, shouldn't everybody be able to do this? Practically speaking, it's not a question of what email platform you're using. Surprisingly enough, any email platform, even your desktop email can handle sending visuals or dynamic visuals and you're just not doing it right now. So Campaign Genius, we specifically built to be platform neutral. It's literally copy and paste to get visual content into an email template or even an outbound email from the desktop. We took some of the some of the simple stuff that doesn't require a lot of design and configuration and actually park that, believe it or not, it's parked on our website and all, all it takes is give us your email address so we can talk to you and you can you can use the basic tool set for free. I forget what's configured there right now, but that's everything from countdown timers to live weather to live Twitter. I believe you used the live uh, Twitter feed tile, didn't you? I did. I used the uh, live weather and the yeah the Twitter feed, and then I sent out an email today, and I used a web shot because uh, on Thursdays okay. I, I either podcast or promote my podcast, yeah. and I, I did a web shot of my um, podcast page. Oh, that's great! You 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 may be literally the first user of that web shot feature. We just added that a couple weeks ago. Well, and I also, because, you know, today when we're recording the episode is Halloween, I included a spider that crawled across the bottom of the page and I've already got some very interesting feedback from some people who don't like spiders. <laughs> oh, spiders, right, right. But what, what'll be interesting from a marketer's perspective is, you know, it is are the numbers different with the inclusion of spider or web shot? The, the web shot you're referring to, since uh, people will be listening to this going, what in the heck is a web shot, is you put in the URL of probably your podcast site, we actually screenshot that URL on a daily basis. So the email you send out will continue to change and show your current um, website whenever anyone opens it. That's a great example of dynamic content changes. So Im- imagine you were running an e-commerce store. So you've got a listener who's, who's selling something online. If whatever's on sale shows up on your homepage, then whatever's on sale on your homepage is going to continue to show up live in the inbox if you use that web shot feature. 
Oh, that's a great idea. I, I I hadn't considered that, and I didn't understand that the tool actually updated. I mean, I saw the Twitter feed update because I thought, yeah, I'm just going to go in and log in on my email, you know, every couple of days and see what happens. And I went, hey, cool, it's changing to what my my most recent tweet was. Latest tweet, yes. We do the same thing with web. We do the same thing with a, with a, a website. Webshot's a simple. It's a simple tool in that we we just go every. I believe it's midnight. We we just go out and say. Grab that URL, render it as an image, and that's now the image that goes in any email that said, you know, show me the web shot of this website. But yeah, if your website changes tomorrow, that shot in the email you sent out today will also change. Well, that's per- that's perfect because I mean, you put the link to your uh, to your page anyhow, yeah. so people can see the new image, see what's on sale. Yeah, and so especially if you're an affiliate marketer, I mean, look at the affiliate offers that are changing all the time. Right. That's really cool. I'm super excited to go to go and try something with that. But but you know the downside of it, not not to talk people out of it, that that requires a very different balancing act in in terms of of your writing, right? If 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 all of the body copy of that email is about what's on your homepage today, and and then a week from now, what's on your homepage is really changed. You, you you risk creating a bit of static in your uh, in your reader's head. You know, like, wait, I, I see this thing about you know podcast and an episode, and I'm going to have Gary Vaynerchuk on, but the picture in front of me is Tony Robbins instead, huh? And that's frankly that's one of the challenges that we foresee as email marketers start ex, you know expanding the scope of what they can do and and thinking more you know more three dimensionally, more including time in their planning rather than. Uh, the eternal now of hitting send on a campaign and never being able to touch it again. Well, I, I'm thinking more along the lines of I've got a client that's in a health and wellness space and mm-hmm. they ha- they have affiliate relationship with a number of vendors. You know, one of the brand w- vendors is, is Reebok and Reebok's mm-hmm. always putting out these new amazing offers. Mm-hmm. And so what we find ourselves doing is, you know, we're our web guys are updating that particular page for the client, but we're not sending out an email every day because it's be too much for the uh, for the subscriber list. Yes. But it'd be very easy on the bottom of the email to say our our, you know, check uh, check back to your email for our daily updates. And I wouldn't have to, you know, we wouldn't have to do anything. Every time they log into the email, like you said, it'd be the most current, most yes. relevant offer that's just come up. Uh, we've already spent the time to get it on the site. Yes. Now, now we can leverage a tool like this to get it into somebody's email box. Well, so so let me let, let me take on a let me take on a short trip from that toolbox that we make available to the real engine, the campaign genius engine that subscribers get their paws on. Because building building stuff like that is uh, building stuff that does even more sophisticated things is what we enable customers to do on the back end, like your own designs, your own data, your own decisions. I'll give you a specific example. We've got a function in the campaign genius, you know, the the user side, not just the simple toolbox side, called site sync that allows for keeping the visual and the hyperlink perfectly coordinated. So I'll give you an example. If you decide to put a visual of whatever you've got on sale in your outbound email, again, say say you're an e-commerce store. If you're if you're showing me a picture of, you know, this widget, you want me to click, you want me to land on the on the page that sells that widget. If you change the image to something else, a gadget instead, you'd really like me to click and land on the gadget page, right? Yep. So we actually virtualize the link 
and and schedule the link just as we schedule the visuals. It's actually done, believe it or not, in a in a spreadsheet in a web browser. You say picture changes to X, hyperlink changes to Y, so you can actually change the hyperlink destinations in the email after you send it. Wow, useful. I hope. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of geeking out because I, I love I love trying new stuff and just being able to leverage it. I mean, we talked early on saying that people still aren't you know doing using mail merge properly, so they're not. <laughs> so, so this isn't for you if you're not listening. If you're listening, I mean, you need to get to get something right first. Call your customer by their first name if they've give, <laughs> given it to you. Right. So beyond this, I mean, you know, what other tools or what other features are there that we can leverage? Oh, man, we have an animation platform. Have you ever gotten an email with a GIF in it? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Okay. Did did it catch your eye? Yeah. Yeah. Me, me, me too. And actually, animation is a is a real long haul uh, long haul interest for me. It's been difficult in in the world of email to get file sizes down to the point where animation is sort of tolerable. And I think a lot of people made the mistake of starting with actual video and then exporting that as, you know, as GIF or believe it or not, there's an animated PNG format. So you can geek out on that as well. Um, <laughs> we, we, we were looking at that like, you know, if you keep the changes between the frames relatively simple, it doesn't take much motion to catch your eye. Like we're, we're, we're wired to not get eaten by saber toothed tigers, right? So we're actually at a, at a neurological level, we're wired to detect motion fast. So a, a GIF that changes by just a few frames is really, really eye-catching in the inbox and not necessarily huge because you're not changing that much, you know, not, not changing that much between frames in order to make that apparent motion that's so eye-catching. So we added a intentionally rudimentary animation environment inside Campaign Genius. So if you just want to change the text or you want to, you know, flash the headline from red to blue and back so that someone goes, whoa, as they're, as they're flipping through their inbox, that, that tool set is, you know, it's frankly, it's right in there. It's built right in. And that one hasn't been exploited yet as much as I'm, as much as it will be. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I, I follow a few retailers closely. I, I'm a fanboy on their email list because I look at what they're doing. Go, oh, okay. That was, that was good. Maybe we should enable more people to do that who don't necessarily have a budget of that scale. Oh man, what else? Well, I know there's been lots of discussion in the email space around using uh, GIFs in email. Mm -hmm. And everything I see is saying, do it, opposed to, hey, this this isn't a good way to, you know, to talk to your customers, so. Right, but, but GIFs in email, and there's actually a, there's a library of, I don't know how many millions of GIFs, I don't know if you encountered this, uh, in the toolbox on, our, on, on Campaign Genius website, there's a there's a GIF search engine uh, to the largest repository in the planet on the planet uh, Jiffy. We we talked to them and cut a deal and we built a search engine on top of their API. So if you want novelty GIFs, there's a there are literally millions of them there. But that's less interesting than intentional and meaningful animation. Yeah. My 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 sale example right flip from red to blue. Sounds trivial, but but at least then it's about something specific or it's about that customer specifically rather than just eye-catching but kind of irrelevant or trivial. Yeah, I saw an example on the um, Litmus blog and they were showing some retailers where they actually had a had a guy doing a, just a few frames where he was changing uh, mm -hmm. changing outfits, changing shirts, putting on a vest. 
mm-hmm. that was just eye catching. Like I said, it wasn't you know it wasn't a video, but mm-hmm. it was but it was really cool, and it was an example of they had used. I think it was Jack Spade. Uh, they used it in an email campaign, and I'm guessing the numbers went up, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would think so. I mean, it's a, it's a wiring thing, right? You're, you, you can't not see that motion. I mean, as you and I are talking, I'm watching the waveform scrolling across on the Zencaster <laughs> app, and it's hard to not watch it go. Yeah, because we're funny. wired to do that. Yeah, in in addition to animation, I think the place where we really focused sort of deep infrastructure on Campaign Genius was actually that schedule and change in the future uh, aspect of imagery. I mean, you mentioned early on the, uh, you know, the relatively old, I'll just change the image on the web server uh, trick. We, we tried to take it way, way up in terms of capability and say, you know, if you're an e-commerce or, or a retail store or something like that, why not set up what's going to change in the future in, in a data-driven and a planned way we even had to build a time machine so you could see what this image is going to look like next week. And and that's all like part of the toolkit. Yeah. I mean, the, the, like I said, the change in the web image is, is pretty basic. I mean, this is yeah. way beyond that. I mean, you've got the ability to customize and personalize, which is which is huge. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I got an email from somebody, I, I can't even remember the marketer that did it, sent me an email. I think it was a co- with a coffee cup or something on it with my name, yes. I think. Yes. And I remember thinking, how the heck did they do that? That's that's amazing. Right. Um, and that was just a simple, um, you know, mail merge over top of an image. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. The graphical, it's the graphical version of dear first name. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, where I think it starts to get more interesting is where we're personalizing in a rich way, you know, you know, Matthew consistently looks at X, Y, and Z. So the product images in his message are going to be different than the ones in Doug's message sure. because Doug's, you know, profile as a shopper or whatever uh, is different as well. Having that granular control over the content that they're going to grapple with first is that's a pretty big lever to play with. So, you know, being that you work in the uh, both, you know, the tech and visual space, what are you most excited about in the next, you know, six months? <laughs> now, we're, you're not going to obviously hand us over your your secrets of what's coming, but what are you excited about? Um, uh, you know, fundamentally, I'm actually still excited about taking the oldest digital marketing channel and and really trying to <laughs> really trying to make it do something completely different. And I, I, I think that's going to take more than six to 12 months. You know, adoption takes time, change takes time, but I'm pretty stoked about that. We spent, uh, we spent a lot of, of time and, you know, brain power and stuff handling video uh, inside the company. And while I'm still a fan of video for a lot of use cases, I, I don't think video is necessarily going to show up in your inbox anytime soon. I've kept track of the companies that try to make video play an email. I'm like, nah, guys, it's it's literally, it's just not going to work until the standards change. The other thing that I'm watching carefully with a bit of trepidation is Google's effort to make email an active programmable channel. There's a standard called AMP, Accelerated Mobile Pages. Yep. Right. And and Google is backing AMP for email. And they've they've nominally open sourced that. They've said we're gonna take the AMP for email standards and hand them over to a neutral organization, et cetera, et cetera. It AMP would make your inbox 
start to act like a baby web page with widgets and data and programming options that it currently doesn't have. You know, will I get an email someday that lets me schedule a meeting to have coffee with Doug without ever exiting the message itself? Maybe. One, it's still a bit platform specific. It's still a bit Gmail specific, although I think uh, I think Microsoft and uh, Outlook 365 guys are nominally on board that AMP standard. But it also introduces uh, it also introduces a compute machine inside your inbox, and all of a sudden we're opening the door for who's watching, who's listening, and who's running code that I didn't necessarily want running. Oh, they you know, right? They wouldn't do that, would they? Um, I'm t- talking cheek. You don't have to answer that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, email has stayed a bit neutral if you yeah. think about it. Yeah. You, you kind of trust it. In, you kind of trust it because there's no Turing machine there. Yeah, that's right. There is no programming. Yeah, that's, that's correct. correct. There's yeah. no script. There's yeah. no scripting in yeah. email. There's yeah. no programming language that runs in your inbox. And I'm a little, I'm a little concerned about changing that. And Re- regardless of how well you plan it. It's almost impossible. In fact, it's 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 actually impossible to completely shut that door. Well, and I think it was uh, I was talking to somebody Unbounce, and I think that uh, Unbounce, mm-hmm. who does you know as you know does landing pages, yeah, I think they said that you actually require it requires a whole separate set of programming to to send out uh, an AMP email. So it's two different formats. So yeah. he was saying that the clients, you know, they build their regular email and then they have to go into a separate tool set to build the uh, the AMP email. Yeah, to build the AMP email, and 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 then you've got the you know does which of my customers can look at the AMP version? Yeah. Which can't so that 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 coordination. I, I I'm sure we'll see exciting stuff, but I do wonder. I do wonder if we're opening Pandora's box a little bit there, however inadvertently. Well, I mean, from a customer point of view, it sounds convenient that I don't need to click and and that <laughs> and that, and that was a comment that we had, you know, that you and I had again today was that you know I get an offer from somebody with a countdown timer and then I'm required to click on the link to go mm-hmm. to the landing page to find out that the offer in fact has has expired. So somebody has integrity in the marketing. They said midnight and it's twelve oh one and it's gone. Yeah. Whereas you know using using your tool it'd be very easy for someone to go in there and have that image change. So I wouldn't have to click out. I could do it all in the email without having to take that extra step. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it's, it's going to get complicated, isn't it? Not that it isn't already. Well, I mean, I'm excited because this is a tool set that I spend a lot of time talking to people and, and, and uh, you know, arguing the fact that no email is not dead. It's still providing the highest ROI. Right. So yes, are there new tools? Yes, but it comes down to, like you said, adoption. So how many people are going to adopt to um, AMP? Don't know. Yeah. You know, how many people is, you know, Gary V. Uh, I think I saw a quote on your website from Gary V. I'm, I'm a fan of his. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my my customers aren't on TikTok. I've got, you know, business colleagues going, oh, I need to be on TikTok. And going, well, your customer is like 24. Are they going knowing then why you need to be there? Right. So we're still chasing the shiny new object and there's still lots of value in the legacy tools. There are, and in what I'm learning is that in companies of of size, right, you know, mid mid enterprise and up, e- email's still kind of the, the the old stepchild channel, despite it being, as you said, the most effective. You know, the 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 budget's still going to shiny new channels, and the old warhorse keeps plod- plodding along and actually returning the uh, returning the best results. 
Well, I mean, one of the examples that I give is, you know, think about, um, you know, the time when you're scrolling through your Twitter feed or your Instagram feed and you saw something come from a retailer that you liked. Mm -hmm. how, how difficult is it to go back and find that? Right, right. In the feed or, or going to their site and looking, depending how frequent they're posting. Yeah. Whereas email, like you said, now that, I mean, I remember deleting PST files because my you know, <laughs> outlook was full. So I, I remember that thinking like, why won't my email work? Right. And the tech guy goes, your PST file is too big. I said, what's yeah. a PST file? <laughs> Sounds like a tax or something. Um, <laughs> so now in email, you go look and you're going, hey, you know, I've got however many emails. I've got, you know, 60,000 emails in archive. Yep. It's like, yep. that's, that's insane. So it becomes my own, my own library. And memory and yep. to-do list and, yep. and contact list and a bunch of other stuff, you know, you know delete in Gmail. And, and I'm a huge fan of Gmail. I seriously am. It's, it's really brilliantly engineered, but the delete key doesn't actually delete. Yeah. Right. That's, yep. that's bizarre. I it, from a, <laughs> from a behavior perspective, because that means if I go search, right. Oh, wait, did I have an email from Doug? I'm going to get over every email we've ever exchanged. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, information overload. Well, and to the, the topic you mentioned earlier about people coming back later. I mean, I remember when David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, uh, was really mm -hmm. big. Yeah. And that's one of the things he talked about. He talked about setting up a folder to read later. So read later online. Yeah, yeah. Which is a practice that I've taken to. It's like, okay, read later online. So if I'm, you know, the evening, I'm going to go sit outside and have a cigar and flip on my laptop. That's the time I'm going to catch up on my reading file that I've set aside. Like you said, that might be two, three, four, five days a week later or more. Right, right. Yeah. And or or the tools like what's it called pocket, you know, save, save this to read later. Yep. And if you're if you're that meticulous about managing it, seriously points to you. I, I always mean to, but I always end up with a lot of crud in the inbox. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know my inbox isn't lean. <laughs> that's the that's sum of it. I mean, I think the the biggest uh, uh, time-saving tool that I've really liked is OneTab because, um, yeah, I've got a lot of stuff in my inbox and on my desktop. Yeah, yeah. Well, th th that's that's not going to change. I've, I've heard the description of the, what's it called? The, the digital exhaust cloud that we all leave behind us. Right, all all of the data that we generate, save, and consume—it's like it, it's it's just going to keep piling up because sorting out what's chaff and what's wheat is too much work. It is, and and the computers, at least for as far as I can see, for machine learning and AI, just aren't aren't there a hundred percent. I no. mean, it, it's helping, but yeah, you still have to go back and correct them and teach them. You're an email guy. Have you run into a, there's a platform called Sane, SaneBox, S-A-N-E, SaneBox. Have you yeah. run into that? Yeah, I, I used it and then I stopped using it because it, it was too much work to teach it. At, right. least I, at least I felt it was too much work. And you missed and you missed stuff that you didn't want to miss, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful tool, but yeah, not smart enough yet. Not, well, I mean, that was, yeah, it was years ago. So I don't know, but I did, I did stop using it because it just became so cumbersome to, mm -hmm. to train it. And uh, maybe that's my poor delegation skills. I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll need better. We'll need better. Uh, email may be the Mount Everest for AIs to climb, like yeah. really sorting out truly meaningful message from, from spam. I don't know if, I don't know if it'll ever be a algorithm capable of doing that. Well, I figure that, you know, a lot of the, um, the industries that heavily use spam have insane budget so they seem to be on the forefront learning uh, how to how to beat the uh, algorithms and you know in gmail and the other uh, email providers well i think 
I think Bill Gates made the observation, this is 20 plus years ago, but I think he made the observation that he, that he wished that, that we figured out how to put a tiny, tiny cost on send. Because the fact that sending 3 million emails, I mean, it's got a, it's got a cost, but not, not, not a really big material one. You don't go, oh my goodness, let's worry about the send budget. We'll cut it down from, you know, 3 million to 2 million. It's, it's fractions of cents of cost. So that, that means for a company to, you know, take the spray gun out and, and spray everybody that's not the big budget send is not the big budget consideration for them so as a result we all get you know thousands of things a day whether we ask for them or not permission laws haven't necessarily stopped that no i don't think it's thought at all and you know i encourage people hey if you don't like my content just unsubscribe like you're doing me a disservice by staying on my list and not opening it yeah um you're affecting my you're affecting my um deliverability so just like no, no offense get off list you're costing, and you're 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 actually costing the planet too, right? There's <laughs> energy and storage, and you know the email that you sent me that I didn't read that I store for years to come. That's that's adding up. I don't even want to think of that. Um, <laughs> I have protesters in front of my office. Yeah, there you, there you go. <laughs> okay, we'll work with the possible. <laughs> so based on, you know, kind of what you do and what you see coming, who's one guest that you think I absolutely have to have in my podcast? There's a guy named Lorne McDonald, L-O-R-N-E, I believe is the spelling of his first name. Yeah. He's a longtime email guy. He was at Silverpop. Silverpop got bought by IBM. And then IBM recently spun out that email stuff into a company called Acoustic. Here's the reason I think you should have Lorne on your podcast. He's like the king of EVs. It's not his day job. It's his passion. He runs a whole site about uh, about EVs, and I drive an I drive an EV myself, so it's kind of a it's kind of a shared interest. So you you'd get a guy who's incredibly expert in in email and email marketing, but you can also talk about how he takes his marketing expertise into uh, into a whole other domain, just as a passion of his own. Cool. Yeah, I should I should reach out to him. I mean, you've been in the business for a while. I I met Lauren when I was a customer at Email Labs. Awesome. So that was pre IBM, pre Silver Pop. Okay, okay. So, but but you know the guy I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. That's a, that's a great that's a great suggestion. Yeah, he'd be he'd be uh, he'd be super fun on the podcast. And I ran across his EV thing. I'd met him at a conference, and I ran across the EV thing. I'm like, wait a minute, I think I know that guy. And I emailed him, learned it. You're the same guy. I said, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, fascinating. That's cool. Yeah. So Matthew, where's the best place for people to connect with you, learn more about you, what you're doing, your business, and you know uh, how to uh, how to add dynamic content to their email? Well, the old-fashioned way, my favorite still is email, Matthew at campaign-genius.com. But we've got a ton of info and resources on the Campaign Genius website, campaign-genius.com, and then. As you and I did, connecting on LinkedIn is 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 great. I actually I come to appreciate LinkedIn more and more uh, from a business perspective. Well, there you go. I just want to say thanks so much for taking time out of your day. Another uh, Northwest podcast guest. So thanks for uh, sharing with us. Delighted to speak with you, Doug. There you go, listeners. There's a hope that wasn't too geeky for you. I'm super excited about the ability to use this dynamic content in email. I spent a lot of time on email myself. 
And uh, like I said, I came across uh, this tool set. I had no idea who Matthew was, used it. And then uh, this circle, uh, this loop just closed itself. So I uh, hope you found some value here. I would suggest heading over to the website. I did go in and set up and, and uh, use the tool for free to try it. And I got some great feedback from my email subscribers. So I'd suggest you do the same thing. So thanks for tuning in. We look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting dougmorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's dougmorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.